Piyush. Welcome to the Commerce Talks podcast today in Dubai, talking about Panda Retail, the market, what's going on here and how Panda is actually operating. Can you introduce yourself to the audience, please? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Super excited to be joining this podcast today. Uh, a very fun-filled event at Seamless. Uh, met up a lot of uh, my old colleagues uh, in, in Dubai. Uh, to give you a little introduction, uh, I am Piyush Chauhan. I am the Chief Digital Officer at Panda Retail. Uh, and I run the digital charter uh, of transformation uh, at Panda Retail. We are the largest grocery retailer, a 43-year-old company based in Saudi. We are the market leader in Saudi with almost 25-26% market share uh, with about 186 stores that we have across the kingdom. Uh, we have the highest reach of uh, reaching about 52 cities within, the, uh, within Saudi Arabia. We have a small presence in Egypt and I'm very excited uh, to lead the digital transformation journey at Panda. So when, when you have to explain like the digital transformation for a Saudi grocery retailer versus like a European-based uh, uh, retailer, what's the biggest difference? And uh, it is very pertinent question because uh, to give you a little background, I have worked with Tesco for a very long time. Uh, I've worked yeah. with Walmart. So I have my experience working with Western retailers. And then when I came to this region, things are different yeah. uh, in two contexts. One context is that some of the processes which are there are not so much mature, but that is an opportunity for you to immediately look at interventions through digital rather than in, in the Western region, for example, in large retailers in the US, you would have to then do a large change management because they would be already doing some amount of process through some old archaic technology with a monolith application. Whereas in here, if let's say your commercial processes, your supply chain processes were not so advanced, so you have an opportunity to implement a new digital solution and we will be able to adapt them to the new process. What, what is the overall um, e-commerce market in, 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 in the Saudi region? So what was the overall revenue or like, and then broken down into grocery? What, what are you talking about? So uh, when we look at some of the statistics uh, uh, on the research which has been done, uh, people are talking about two very, very important demographics for the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. One demographics is it has the highest smartphone penetration market in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it almost 99% of the population has access to smartphone or some form of digital native kind of a behavior. And the second is there is a big 2030 vision which is coming up, which is driven from the top, from the uh, crown prince. And these two factors believe that there is almost a 25 to 35 percent growth on the grocery on a yearly basis on a yearly basis which you will not find anywhere in the world but grocery in total or grocery online online i'm saying uh, but on what on what what basis are we talking are we talking is two percent uh is yeah, already it, online? The market print, is online or market penetration at the moment is about two to three percent mm -hmm. and they believe that it will go to double digits in about five years uh from now and what is the driver for that is it like the demand is it like new services is it cheaper do do people order more advanced stuff online what is the driver convenience yeah although uh saudi as such uh people love to drive uh, there's not much uh, to do outside, although there are a lot of new opportunities of entertainment which is coming up. But shopping has been good part of their own culture. So people love to go to a, go to a supermarket, love to go to a grocery store and then do their shopping. But what is happening is that there is a 
demographic shift in which women are now allowed to work so there is a husband and wife family or there large part of the female workforce is coming online uh, coming to work which means that there is more need of convenience in terms of ordering in terms of getting uh, stuff uh, directly delivered to the home and that trend is catching up very very fast particularly if you see the metro regions of riyadh the metro regions of jeddah where that trend has caught up but unfortunately the offer has not been so promising and so it is a very very primitive uh, offer which is very basic in terms of if i order something will i get everything on time or not i think that is the most basic that people are trying to solve and once people solve that i think there is a very very high growth trajectory that they will see and on the convenience side i just learned from the podcast i recorded with uh, with a female founder from uh, pakistan uh, bay gallery that uh, there the um, standard payment uh, method is um, cash on delivery so what is it in saudi oh this is a highly digital payment market and that is the beauty of saudi is that penetration is high everybody almost Uh, has an apple apple pay embedded on their phone so uh, digital payments digital commerce is is all embedded in there so the so adoption you, you don't have any trust issue so people when they order something online and pay online they don't have the trust issue will it come uh, it is not about the trust of the or the integrity issue but it is for people to fulfill the order so the service levels of delivery are not yet sophisticated saying that okay if i order my grocery and it was slotted to be delivery to uh, deliver tomorrow morning between 9 to 11 whether it will come and whether i will get everything or not and that is the kind of uh, service levels that e-commerce players need to come up with and that is what the market is evolving from what was was covid uh, driving the online adoption of grocery shopping in the last two years absolutely and there's no doubt that uh, Uh, and i will give a context of panda uh, panda did not have uh, a proper o- only online e-commerce grocery offering uh, pre covid during covid it it went in it purchased a company and then we basically are building on top of it and we believe that the kind of su- sudden surge has died down but there is a sustained growth that we see in the market so there are customers who want to come back again and again if the offer is good And how how did you build it? Have you started like with picking from stores? Have you started building uh, uh, dark stores, warehouses, or how, how was it operated? So we are uh, still uh, using our store network uh, to fulfill the orders, and we have now reached in almost thirty forty percent of the kingdom, which is where the online grocery penetration is high. And okay, so you need a store within like uh, let's say twenty thirty miles perimeter, That's so correct. you can, though you can fulfill. Yes, and if there's no store, there's no offering. Yes, no. Yes, because we believe that uh, a lot of remote locations within Saudi, the demand has still not built up. Yeah. No. Uh, but uh, a, a retailer like Panda needs to scale up, and we are working on plans to scale it up and then take it to the next level. And how how have you managed the delivery? So how have you delivered to the customers? So it's a mix of uh, in-house uh, fulfillment as well as outsourced fulfillment. Uh, so we uh, kind of scale our capacity based on the need. Uh, the other thing that we are seeing is a it's a very very uh heavy on demand market which is the quick commerce uh, delivery market which means that customers have been used to ordering delivery and getting it within one hour so that is also a big segment about 40 to 50% of the segment of grocery is still um, kind of being offered through that quick commerce segment which we believe over a period of time will subside to about 25 to 30% in the market 
Okay, and uh, okay, let's let's segment the market a bit. So there's like this next day delivery thing, like scheduled delivery, schedule schedule delivery, or where you, where you order like the your monthly or weekly whatever needs. Then you have like same day, one hour, two hour. Then then we have like this ultra fast delivery services, which obviously have like funding issues now uh, in Europe. Fifty minutes. What a surprise! But uh, so, can can you tell us a bit like uh, the adaptation like last year and w what you see in the future? You said like the same hours things will go down if I understand you correctly. That's so correct. you so you you expect that scheduled delivery will be like the main way of grocery shopping online in KSA. Which is exactly so. It it is trying to mimic how the needs of the customer are. The customer does not want to have five items delivered five times in a week. I think it is very inconvenient for anyone, even the retailer as well as the customer. So what we believe is that it's a 70-30 or 80-20 rule in which your 70% or 80% of the basket will be ordered through scheduled delivery in which you have the weekly or a bi-weekly shopping. And then you will have a couple of top-ups uh, in the middle for your fresh and ultra-fresh items, which will comprise the 20 to 25%. Ah, okay. And um, have have there been like new startups popping up, like in uh, Dubai or in Europe, uh, focused on this ultra fast delivery, getting like free funding from whatever investors? Was this the same happening in it Saudi? It is the same happening there. Uh, most of the food uh, uh, delivery. Uh, e-commerce players which were kind of delivering a meal or a burger or a pasta uh, and things like that they have moved into ultra fast delivery and as as you see in the western markets those people are kind of seeing the uh, end of the tunnel saying that that cannot be scaled up beyond a certain point of time because it is a very very uneconomical to deliver at five seven eight item basket And as you would know, the grocery margins are not that much like a pizza. In pizza, you make a 60%, 70% gross margin. In food, you make 12% to 13%. So there is not enough money on the table for somebody to deliver a five to six item or a 70 to 80 real basket to the customer and still make money. Okay, but the one hour delivery, that's something you're offering? We are offering that and we have kind of partnered with a third party uh, company who works with us to do that ultra fast delivery. But do you charge on top? Like yes. or, or what is like what kind of incentives are you giving? Like obviously you want to have people moving into this schedule delivery because it's you can plan it, you can schedule it so much better like from a uh, logistics uh, perspective. What is your incentive of of uh, or do, do you charge people for fast delivery? Yeah, we we charge a uh, additional delivery fee if they want to do for the quick commerce. Uh, but uh, it depends on the basket size as well. If somebody is ordering a really big basket, then we have a certain slabs beyond which we offer free delivery. Um, we've recorded yesterday uh, a podcast with, um, with Arun from uh, Mafka Refor, uh, um, and uh, who's doing like a similar thing like here, uh, here in the Dubai area. And there I've learned that in Dubai, you have still a lot of um, grocery, uh, grocery um, um, demand fulfilled by this kind of corner stores or tienditas or whatever. I would expect that Saudi is more or less the same. There must be like very small stores, like in where people like usually buy bought their their stuff over the last uh, couple of decades. How aggregated is the market already in 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 KSA? So, if you uh, want to see the statistics, it's a still a very big market. We call it the bakalas, the corner shop stores. Uh, the modern trade penetration is quite high. I don't have the exact statistics, uh, but uh, it is. Uh, I think similar to what UAE penetration is. Mm. So uh, the bakala still play a major role. So all your top-ups uh, from a grocery perspective are done through the bakalas, in the, which are very, very near, and they offer the convenience format. 
Yeah, with uh, we we have one customer in this uh, in this in this business from uh, from Mexico who is focusing on the bacalas in Mexico's. Uh, they they are called tienditas uh, over there, and he said um, because like from a, the the Western European cannot imagine how it works with the corner store. Eastern Europe, yes, yeah, the, you see a lot of corner stores, but Western European, you see only supermarkets. Though there's rarely any uh, any corner store. And he's saying. They are growing now because uh, because of the inflation and recession, people are sometimes going back, uh, uh, going away from their weekly purchases, moving into daily purchases um, again. They they need like smaller sizes. They are willing to pay more uh, if they can get smaller sizes. Do you see the same trend in Saudi? Yes, the basket size have actually decreased because of inflation, and uh, uh, the number of items in the basket is also shrinking because of the prices uh, that we saw last year. But be- but with the prices coming down in the last few months, we are seeing a, a surge. Uh, we just uh, published our uh, first quarter results. Uh, the first quarter results were uh, really great. We are now seeing a tick in which the customer is now willing to go out and spend a little more than what it, it did last year. Okay. How do you manage the inventory challenge uh, uh, when you pick from stores? Usually, uh, it's very hard to predict um, the precise inventory. Um, and when uh, when a customer is filling out the order and then getting a different part of different yogurt or a different kind of whatever coffee, then they are sometimes upset because they are used to like a hundred percent standard because of like Amazon and Noon and all the other uh, service providers. How do you manage this? So that's a challenge, and that's a physical retailer challenge, which is there, and you caught it right. Uh, we are working uh, in terms of increasing our forecasting for uh, the stores where we fulfill from. Uh, there are multiple tricks that we use, uh, either keeping buffer stock, uh, so items. So what we found out is that about uh, 200 uh, fast-moving items uh, make up in almost all the baskets. So we try to make sure that those uh, 200 uh, to 300 items which are there, which are very ultra-fast moving. We try to keep some buffer stock. But they are still, this buffer stock is still in the store or do we have like a dark warehouse in the store? We have uh, not gone into a dark warehouse uh, model till now. And uh, we still continue to fulfill from the store by increasing the uh, forecasting and replenishment uh, techniques. Okay, because like uh, the uh, your colleague from uh, from uh, from a Turkish, from Mikos uh, Turkey, they have... Um, they are starting to build like dark warehouse. Not not it's not a dark warehouse. You usually have like every store has like a small warehouse yeah, where yeah. like of the stuff back is room. usually like the back room, and they are like growing the back room part uh, and fulfilling from there uh, to make sure that like all the two hundred standard items, which is like egg, milk, wheat, whatever. Uh, uh, so this this is here, and there's and there's no disturbance uh, to the to the standard customers. We have uh, looked at those options, and then we are trying to experiment. And as I said, we are in the growth phase now. Uh, the customer believes in the brand of Panda. It's the most it's the strongest grocery brand in in Saudi Arabia, and we believe that. Uh, uh, we will try to tweak the model and offer something new out there. Have you read or heard about the uh, the milkman uh, model in in Europe? Uh, picnic, uh, picnic for example, is is doing uh, where they have like a central warehouse and you don't have like free on demand delivery slots next day. It's like a fixed slot more or less. But there's like a like a milkman car running around the street and like dropping it off like if every customer is ordered. Which gives a certain advantage in uh, on the logistics sites because you can fulfill m- way more orders like in the same uh, same time and therefore having, uh, gives you a, like a, a pricing advantage. Is this something that can work uh, in the KSA region? 
unfortunately i think it's a very flat country and it's a very spread out country unlike europe where the uh, density That's of population is, is very, very different from the very different the <laughs> landscape it's a very you, you need to uh, uh, kind of drive maybe 13 14 kilometers for one order the typical run of a vehicle if it has to deliver about 10 orders is upwards of uh, 80 to 90 kilometers yeah so i think And how long does it take it takes about 4 uh, hours 5 hour 4 hour shifts uh, oh yeah for this run alone yeah, for this run it's 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 a very fast and a flat country so uh, it can run from one corner to the other uh, roads are good and, and that is why i'm saying the dynamics which are uh, there in europe and the challenges which are there mm. may not be applicable as it is for saudi you have to tailor the offering and that is what i was uh, talking about if the offer which is customized to saudi is built and it is more reliable bringing the convenience and the right price point i think it will fly mm. okay and then one other issue you usually have like in in, in western europe is you don't find uh, people fulfilling orders drivers stockers pickers that's nobody wants to work for low salaries you have like minimum salaries in yeah. uh, in most of the european countries and then it's even harder to uh, to to make money on uh, on deliveries is is it easier in case a or is it like also like a minimum price or is it like is the competition much higher no i think uh, it's the same challenge uh, salaries are are, uh, are a little low as compared to europe for sure but finding the right people because uh, people always believed that you get anyone with a low low income or a low salary and then ask him to start picking your picking rates will drop drastically so you why 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 is that because it's a, it's a skilled job you have to identify the uh, picking rates in terms of okay the the, the amount of items somebody can per hour ah okay yeah ah. so if somebody is not skilled somebody let's say somebody has to pick up a particular brand of cereal there will be the same brand so for example let's say kellogs kellogs will have five brands somebody is to quickly determine uh, since it is picking from the store it is very highly likely that he may pick up the uh, the wrong uh, product and do that so uh, and i have i've have, I have built e-commerce uh, kind of organizations for a very long time picking is an art a normal store guy needs to be trained significantly to do a lot of picking and when i was in tesco a uh, long time back we had a special training program for online pickers it's it's very hard to that's believe a, that that's a good podcast title picking as an art yeah. i never thought about it and 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 uh, it's like um, arun said uh, from afkar for that pickers and stockers is like two different very different skills you agree i agree with that i agree with that uh, and so stocking is still generic you can use the regular stuff but e-commerce picking is a very very different skill which people need to learn but but if i let, let's go back from pick, the picking from store uh, uh, uh challenge so if i would uh, if i were to ask like the picnic founder uh here he would say uh, picking from store alex you know It's a, it's hard to stock because it's a, it's an environment that is made for people going around being inspired for products. It's like it's hard to pick because you know like in a in a in a real warehouse everything is like picking optimized and there then and there the you have like usually this chaotic warehouses where you have like a device telling you this Kellogg's cereal is um shelf B 77 3rd whatever pick it's like it's kind of an automated thing. So and a warehouse structure definitely would make picking and stocking easier way more effective but what you're saying is the trade off is still 
on on the the cost side, the trade-off is still like using the existing infrastructure uh, uh, instead of like building a warehouse. Because in Riyadh, which is like the biggest city, I would expect that okay, there must be such a high demand, a central warehouse could make sense, right? Absolutely, it will make sense, and I think that is the trade-off that you need to do between how much of cost you want to incur, mm. uh, uh, real estate cost. And the cost of building the warehouse is totally eliminated when you pick from store. And so your margin, and as I talked to yeah. you, margins are not there. So if you want to build a very highly scalable business in which, uh, and we did some study to say that for a dark store to make sense, you should have about 2,000 to 3,000 orders coming to that warehouse, at least on a daily basis. Two minimum. to 3,000 orders. Okay. And a dark st- but the dark store size ha- is not the size of like a normal supermarket. It's way smaller, right? It's quite smaller. Yeah, and yeah. you can have it more dense. But still, the cost of operating a dark store with the layer, with the real estate, with the additional overheads and the additional people, because what we do is the stocking, replenishment, receiving, everything is shared with the store. So you eliminate that cost. You eliminate the cost of real estate. And so your margin is something that you can invest in offering the right uh, prices, offering the right uh, ways. And that is why we don't charge a very big amount even for quick commerce. Okay. Yeah. But haven't you become nervous like the last two years when like the, all the like new startups came in, coming into market, opening like dark stores and like offering 50-minute delivery for fleet? That was the case like in Berlin or the big European city. And everybody got super nervous. And they said, okay, if this is the future, then we are fucked. Nobody comes to the store uh, anymore. How, how did you re- react? Uh, I, I have been in retail for all my life. And I knew that that model will never work. And I I, I can be quoted. I've, say, I've kind of spoken in some other event as well that there is no unit economics in delivering that. Because uh, I have seen grocery all around the world. Convenience as a format, nobody has been able to crack at a large scale, even in physical retail, apart from 7-Eleven. And people still wonder how 7-Eleven makes money Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at a large scale. If, if you do a run, run one or two shops, it, it makes more sense. But when you do it as an enterprise, convenience as a format has never been able to make money. And so what the quick commerce players were trying to do is replicate 7-Eleven online saying that it, everything is within 5 to 10 minutes or 15 minutes of my reach. I have the assortment and people realize that that is not the case. Their assortments was very, very limited. They used to run with only 1,500 to 2,000 items. Now, that cannot suffice the needs of an individual. So, right from day one, I was always of the belief that that model will not work. It has been proven right and I believe that 80-20 is what the rule is. 80% is scheduled delivery. 20% top-up is something that you want to do for something that you want ultra-fresh or something you forgot or some parties coming up and so on and so forth. Okay, let's, let's stick with the customer perspective uh, um, uh, Customer perspective for, um, uh, for, for, for a minute. So if customers are used to like getting stuff delivered like more and more and more and more and more, usually uh, the one, one argument from this pure online uh, players is okay, they can add more assortment. They can put like, drugstore assortment on top toilet paper detergents whatever or they can uh, leverage their logistics infrastructure for other services like pharmacies uh, uh, for uh, um, for for example if you I, I i guess you have done like market research with your customers if you like ask a customer today uh what can we do better uh with the service what is it no so if you look from purely customer perspective they love the offer and that is why it picked up. 
but is there any uh, financial sense in doing that absolutely not it is like i was talking in the uh, event uh, in the morning today the customer is looking for a first class ticket with a economic class price and is it possible is it possible to run a entire 380 into a first class and offer it at a economic class price no Mm-hmm. and that is what uh, retailers have to realize and that is what the customers have to realize but is there like any other advantages for the online delivery like having uh, or like for the online businesses um, having a way more sophisticated uh, loyalty engine for example you know my purchase you know my order history and i love i don't know this kellogs brand and then there's like a new a new branch of kellogs products come in your market and then you can sell uh, then you can sell kellogs okay uh, um, a voucher um a voucher uh, campaign okay i can give you 2000 customers ordering like kellogs every week and you can pay me i don't know 5000 dirham and then uh, we will offer them kind of a banner in the app is, is it so advanced already it is it is and i think so media income uh, media selling all those things are there but let me make a Uh, kind of a statement here again it's a forward looking statement from an industry perspective that in grocery particularly in the grocery space pure online will never survive for a long time you have to be digital you have to have some physical presence to make sense from a grocery perspective you you cannot be uh, offering everything that the customer needs because grocery is a very very diverse segment it's not like fashion fashion is something which is very personal you can personalize it so you sell two garments three garments five garments in yeah. a basket yeah, yeah. it it's very easy to do that yeah. but and you do that five to six times a year but this is something you have to do across segments across customer choices across formats and successfully do that over and over again is extremely difficult just to just do it in the online space and that is why why did amazon buy whole foods it's because of that yeah and why did uh, if you follow tesco tesco as a as a model it is not expanding its dark stores it is saying that uh, the the most economical way of del- uh, doing delivery is to picking from the stores and that is what is happening with the, almost all the european retailers as well so so you ob- observe then the the global grocery uh, the the market um, and the, the grocery um, uh, businesses from a global perspective would you then say that uh increasing the um or le- levering store infrastructure it's a way to go for the next couple of years instead of like building huge semi automated warehouses like some european retailers and then a huge automated warehouse is like a hundred million dollar investment so if we uh translate this to uh the margins uh, you've just shared we are talking about like many many orders <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> that you need to get yeah, exactly. to so so what you said that that's that's the way to go for the next couple of years so that's a different segment which is coming up right and particularly it makes economic sense and i've i've kind of seen the automation of uh, large warehouse warehouse automation in e-commerce can only work at scale which means that one site to be even breaking even in 7 to 8 years at that cost will require upwards of 10000 orders per day mm. or 7 to 8000 orders per day which is about 50000 to 60000 orders a week now if somebody is able to capture that bigger market and able to deliver to the offer and the promise i think that is the player which will sustain over a period of time and one of the statistics that i read is that if you look across the world particularly in the grocery the top two players 
who have a good offer actually take up or top two or three players the top three players will take up to 70% of the market share because the rest long tail yeah. is not able to cope up so it becomes a big boys club in which somebody who is able to invest that for the f- so much future saying that seven years i don't care i don't care if somebody is so cash rich in the grocery i'm happy to see that that is a path to go forward and you said that uh, the uh, panda market share in case a is 26% that's correct uh, like are there other, other like two three main players with 15% plus uh, market share like? yeah so th- there are there are people uh, so maybe th- top 3 four, four players will cover almost 50 60% of the market okay though well, that seems to be like the same in european market it's the same it's like usually like three to five very big players and then you have like a couple of specialized players on i don't know vegan food organic food uh, stuff like this and then um, you're just saying the online stuff is there like uh, retail media and so on so how is it how is it structured within your team so it's like this kind of uh, the digital team is it like growing and growing and growing and you're adding like i don't know Uh, email marketing people on top uh, sms marketing people on top whatsapp marketing people on top to get closer to the customer because as you said with low margins it's a very different calculation compared to a fashion online business so this like fifty thousand dollars extra salary needs to be translated in i don't know five thousand more orders uh, to explain his value And so uh, the overall market size for e-commerce is uh, significantly low, uh, and particularly for Panda, it is it is a very very small uh, kind of a yeah. uh, revenue stream from an overall space perspective. So I would say we don't have a very separate team. It is all merged with the same physical uh, retail. Uh, we have a specialist who come in. So, for example, commercial buying, for example, this uh, mm. uh, store picking and all those things, which is operations, and then the marketing, which is uh, targeted marketing, personalization, and all those things. It's all part of the embedded system because we believe, and I strongly believe, that merging the physical and the online is the only way to go forward. Peter, that was super, super inspiring. I definitely go with uh, picking is an art uh, claim uh, for the podcast. I don't know whether you have done it or not, but if you do it at, uh, even if you start doing it and do it above 60 items per hour, you would feel you would see how difficult it is. 60 items per hour. Yes, that's a good picking rate. That's, that's one a, per minute. That's a yeah. Okay. I will try a test run in my supermarket where <laughs> I know where the stuff is, and <laughs> exactly. I can tell you if it works. Thank you. 